listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files podcast. My name is Eric Daw, your guitar scientist with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars. This is a podcast about guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, and guitar opinions. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. This is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listeners' submitted emails. I will read the questions and Eric will try to answer them. At least the first half of the episode is, and the second half is <gasps> our annual guitar horror stories. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's going to be great. I really, you know, it seems like last year nobody really sent one in, and uh, so we didn't have very many, but this year... Uh, People actually sent in quite a few, so we've got some good uh, we've got some good horror stories. So we will get to that for our special Halloween episode. Sweet, yeah. Uh, we have some good questions to get to first. Questions about pots. Questions about buzzing at the nut. Questions about a guitar with a recent refret, and uh, we will get to those in just a moment. Meanwhile. What have I been working on? Well, uh, I bought a new guitar. Kind of excited about that. What? Yeah. Tell us about it. Well, I ran into an old friend of mine who uh, hipped me to the fact that there was a guitar for sale across town at a new thrift store that I didn't know about. What? Yeah, so I went over there the next day. And yeah, this lady was selling Grandpa's old guitar. And it's nothing super exciting, you know, not a vintage Martin or Fender or something like that, but it's a vintage Harmony, and it's a Harmony H62. Really neat old uh, Harmony archtop, thick body, single cutaway, two pickups, and they're Gibson-made pickups. They're a lot like a P90, but they're the P13. Mm-hmm. Very cool pickups. I, I don't know if they're... I've heard different stories about this. I... I would really like to know definitively, but I don't know if anyone actually knows this information or if it's just lost to the ages, but I don't know if Harmony specifically asked Gibson, hey, will you make us some pickups, and that's just what Gibson made, mm-hmm. or if Gibson had those pickups, and it because it was, it's kind of a crude P90, uh-huh. and I've heard it a couple of different ways. One story is that Gibson made these pickups and then developed the P90, and so they had all these pickups and they weren't going to use them, and then they offered them to Harmony. 
So they're only in harmonies. There's no Gibson. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen a Gibson with a P13. Interesting. Yeah, Harmony was using them in their lap steels and in uh, big archtop guitars in the 50s. Uh, but I've never seen them in a Gibson, I don't think. You know, there might be a rare Gibson with a P13, but I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> Anyhow, I don't know if Harmony called up Gibson and said, hey, make us a bunch of pickups. Or if Gibson called up Harmony and said, hey, we have a bunch of pickups we're not going to use. Do you want them? Interesting. Because I've heard it both ways. Yeah. So I don't know. If somebody knows, I would love to find out. I just bought the... Uh, anyway, so I bought the guitar. And uh, I've been enjoying playing it, but I need to do a lot of work on it. So that's going to be fun. That'll be a fun project. So that's been on my bench a little bit, but I haven't had much time to get to it. There's a cool video of Eric playing it at a gig on his Instagram, too, if mm. you want to see it. Yes, at Eric Daw Custom Guitars on Instagram. Uh, so I got the guitar and I came home and thought, there's got to be a good book about harmonies. And I looked online and there is, there's a pretty good book called Harmony, the people's guitar. And it's a hardback, you know, lots of pictures. Like a blackguard book, but for yeah. harmonies. Well, it's not to the level of a blackguard book. Let's not get carried away. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, it is pretty good. It has a lot of, uh, great pictures and model information, but it didn't have a whole lot of technical information. That's what I was hoping for. Hmm. I was hoping it would have stories about, you know, here's why they have P13s. Or, you know, here's a picture of this pickup taken apart or something like that. Right. Like like the, uh, uh, like Doug Tolick's Dan Electro book. Right. Has great pictures of, like, here's a disassembled Dan Electro pickup. Or uh, the Blackguard book, like you mentioned, Nacho uh, Banos, his uh, Blackguard book has amazing detailed pictures and and I mean like like uh, you know sp uh, analysis of the metal that makes up the the uh, Elnico pole pieces like a spectrogrammeter analysis of what well, would, what would you call it uh, yeah. scanning electron microscope yeah I don't know what you would analysis call it. of the all the materials that are in the Elnico. I mean, insane detail. Yeah. Is insane. There, is there a similar book for Gibson guitars? There's a book called The Beauty of the Burst. Oh, okay. Uh, specifically about the 58, 59, and 60 Les Paul huh. uh, standard. And there are other books about Gibson. Oh, I'm sure. But, surely. Yeah. But uh, that's the that's the detailed one about about. About Les Pauls. Anyhow, it came, this, this guitar, I just bought it, it came with an amp. Yes. A little Dan Electro made silver tone. I think it's a model 1431. And I think I'm going to use it for a harp amp. Cool. To play harmonica through, because it really sounds good with harmonica. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But my, and that's the other thing I wanted to tell you about, was uh, my harmonica attenuator box. I, don't. I decided that I needed an attenuator because I was getting too much feedback on my harmonica mic, you know. Oh, okay. And uh, doing some research online, they sell they sell attenuators. You can buy one specifically for harmonica. It's called a pad. Right. But I did some research and decided to just build my own. And and it's it works great. Cool. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to make a few of them, and I'm I'm I've. 
all my friends, all my personal friends who play harp, I've offered to send them a free one to to do some field research and see if this works. Because if it works like I think it does, I'm going to make 20 of them and put them on my website and right. see if anybody wants to buy them. But I don't know how many harmonica players there are in the audience. Probably three. Nah, there's more than that. Harmonica and guitar go hand in hand. Well, they do for blues. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyhow, so uh, that's what's going on around here. What's going on with you? With me? Yeah. Uh, Just plugging away. Finishing up some orders right now. Custom orders? Mm-hmm. I'm working on a wallet, actually, which is kind of exciting. It's a oh. fun fun oh, thing yeah. to do something different. Somebody custom ordered a, wall- a mm-hmm. wallet from you. Yeah. Very cool. And it involves sewing and designing and cutting, and it's fun. I yeah, like good. doing that. Shall we take some questions? Let's do it. All right. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Can you help me understand why a 500K pot sounds brighter than a 250K pot in an identical circuit? The way I'm thinking about it, the opposite should be true. Shouldn't the higher resistance in the 250K pot mean more high end is lost in the 500K? Or do I have that backwards? Thanks, Ron in Michigan. Cool. Thanks, Ron. Uh, Yes, you uh, yes, you do have that backwards. It's hard to understand. I mean, it's actually a simple concept, but it's hard to understand. And I think I explained this ro- incorrectly on the podcast once. I don't know how I got so turned around on it, but I think I explained it backward. Anyhow, yes, the uh, there's there's more resistance in a 500k pot, not a 250. So the, the higher the number, the higher the resistance. So... And what, when we're talking about resistance, if you're not familiar with electronic circuits, you could think about uh, resistance, a resistor, which a pot is a resistor, still allows electricity to flow through it, and it still el- allows electrons to flow through it, but it slows them down a lot. So it's like pouring water through a funnel. Right. It still goes through, but it's slowed down. And how big the spout is on the funnel depends, you know, it's going to dictate how much water it gets through. Mm-hmm. Same thing is true with the resistor. The size of the resistor depends on how much electricity flow gets through. Well, uh, with a pot, it's a resistor, but it's variable. So when you turn the knob, you can go from zero ohms all the way up to 500k ohms. In, in the case of a 500k ohm pot. And what the volume pot is doing is it's, uh, it's shunting s- signal to ground. So when it's turned all the way down, it's taking the signal to ground. And that's why there's no signal. So when you turn the knob all the way up... It's still shunting a little bit of signal to ground, but it's going through a 500k ohm resistor to do so. So, uh, a 250k ohm resistor is like a 500k ohm pot turned halfway down. And as you add, um, uh, as you get closer to ground, the high frequencies go first. And that's why a 500K pot 
is brighter. And a 250K pot is generally tends to be a little bit darker. Does that make sense to you? Uh, n- not, not really. To well, be I hope it made sense to you, to, to Ron in Michigan there. It's, you know, it's a simple concept, but it gets hard to explain because it's kind of abstract. We don't yeah. see electron flow. Yeah. And for some reason, you know, like I understand a lot of stuff about a lot of things, but when it comes to electronics, it just goes right over my head. I just don't know about it. Yeah. Sorry, but I'm sure that whatever you just said made sense to everybody well, else. Oh, I hope so. Anyhow, thanks for the question, Ron. I hope that that made sense to you. Hi, Eric and Melissa. For Axel, looking for inexpensive but good acoustic guitars to leave around his one-year-old, check out the Ibanez Artwood series. They're much better guitars for the money than the Martin X series. They're actual wood with a solid mahogany top and mahogany back and sides. The Grand Concert is about $400 new. Yamaha also makes similar guitars at the same price. Both are great guitars for the money. Keep up the great work. I love the show. That's from Matt Miller at NewNoiseGuitarRepair.com. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, Ibanez, they do make some good quality uh, budget guitars. They're Artwood. Uh, they've had those for years. They've had those for over 20 years, the Artwood series. They had those when I worked for the Ibanez distributorship. Uh, oh, yeah. Cool. I, re- I remember those. So. Well, Axel, I hope that's that's some more good uh, advice for you. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate the note. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I have an old-fashioned Gibson... Uh, I have an old Gibson archtop with a fairly recent refret. The truss rod works, but it is tightened about all the way it can go. There is no more adjustment available. I am completely happy with how it plays all up and down the neck, except that it buzzes on just one note. Tenth fret on the high E string. Not a small buzz. It's just about... It just about frets out. It occurs with different string sets, too. No issue at all on any other note on the fretboard. Is this a routine fix or potentially a real problem? I know I should just have a professional look at it, but I'm asking for some preliminary thoughts here because the answers could affect who I take it to. If it's a big deal, I would have to send it out of town. Love the show, Simon. Cool, Simon. Uh, That sounds like a pretty simple thing to me. It sounds like you have a high fret. If, If the 10th fret on the high E string is fretting out then your 11th fret is is sitting a little bit high, or the 10th fret is sitting a little bit low. Either way, but it's more likely that the 11th fret is high, and if it's a recent, a fairly recent refret, what may have happened is, uh, you know, if you don't tension those frets just right, they have a tendency to spring up on the ends. Mm. So what may have happened here is your 11th fret may have sprung up a little bit on the end, you should be able to look at it real close and while you press it down like with you know with one of your fingers maybe take your thumbnail and press down that 11th fret on the treble side of the fingerboard and if you can see some movement on that fret mm-hmm. then it's not seated correctly and it's sticking up a little bit that's probably what's going on that's my guess without seeing it i really can't say but um a competent luthier should have no problem fixing that for you That's an easy fix. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck, Simon. Thank you, Simon. Hi, guys. I have a new Martin, a D18 that I bought this year. 
It is a really lovely guitar, but when I tune, I hear clicking noises and my tuning will slip or jump around. Do I need new gears or is something else wrong? Larry. Larry, I don't think it's your gears at all, man. In fact, I'm sure it's not. I love these questions. We're kind of getting back to basics here. Stuff we haven't talked about for a long time. Uh, Larry, I think that the problem is in your in the nut there, and uh, that's an easy solve. Um, if you take some graphite and put it in those slots, that should take care of it. The easiest way to do that is with a nice sharp pencil. Take uh, the pencil lead and literally just draw into the uh, into the nut slot there and get some graphite shavings down in the slot, and then you're going to put the string just right on top of those shavings. It's like putting oil in your car. It just lubricates that point of friction. What's happening when you're tightening the tuners is that it's sticking in the nut, and when it slides, it goes ping, ping, and it messes with your tuning. So that's probably all you need to do is put some graphite in there. If that doesn't fix it, if you try that and it doesn't fix it, then the slots in the nut are too tight and they're pinching the string. And you'll have to have a luthier or a tech get in there with the proper file and widen that slot out just a little bit. Cool. Easy fix, man. You know, it's uh, don't go changing your tuning gears because that's I'm sure that's not the problem. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Good afternoon. My name is Justin Beckner, and I do interviews and weekly tech articles for UltimateGuitar.com. Oh, cool. I recently entered the 21st century and found out that podcasts exist. Uh, I live in a very remote area with very poor internet access. Your podcast is one of the first that I found to be really cool. I've listened to a few episodes on long drives, and I just wanted to drop a line and say thanks for all the great info. Great. Just, you know, I, I think we've used UltimateGuitar.com in a few of our uh, references yeah. when we use uh, online stories we and, and whatnot. Have. have we? Yeah. 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 So. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. I do have one topic for your horror stories episode. He says, maybe you did it already. No, we're doing it now, yeah. buddy. <laughs> Have you ever had to install a Sustainiac? I just put one into a Les Paul. It looks like a robot threw up in my wiring cavity. It looks great from the outside, and obviously it sounds amazing, but boy, are those a wiring nightmare. Yes. Cheers, Justin Beckner. Do you know what a Sustainiac is? I had to look it up. You looked it up? Well, I read this question, and I went and looked it up. Yeah. I thought you would just say no. Do you know what a sustaining it no. sustainiac is? No. Nobody does. So that's okay. Okay. I well, I don't know what it is, actually. I know what yeah. it looks like. Oh. Well, um, yeah, it 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 it's a pickup replacement thing that gives you a bunch of sustain. Hmm. Yeah. But it's a wiring nightmare. I put one in a guitar once and uh yeah, I don't really want to do that again anytime soon. Yeah. That's the questions. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for submitting the questions, guys. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's, let's take, take a, break. a break. And we'll come back with our annual Halloween guitar horror stories. Hooray! As you may already know, I make custom leather guitar straps. I hand make each strap from start to finish. I start with a hide of some of the finest vegetable tan leather on the market. Each hide is chosen for exceptional quality, color, and grain. If you haven't been to my website lately, you need to check it out. 
I've got a bunch of new strap designs and colors listed with more on the way. If you don't see the perfect strap, contact me with your custom order idea. Visit malcoleather.com to seek examples of custom orders I've done in the past. If you're a dealer, I offer competitive wholesale pricing. Email malcoleather at gmail.com for details. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Etsy. If you're listening to this, you get 15% off when you enter code FRETFILES at checkout at melcoleather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O leather.com. It's hard for me to talk about the guitars that I make. I feel like I'm bragging or I feel like I'm being a pushy salesman. But I'm not above reading unsolicited emails from happy owners of my guitars and uh, calling it a commercial. Hi, Eric. Hope you are doing well. Just wanted to follow up and say that I love this guitar. The tonal difference in all of the switch positions is amazing. The neck is so fast and straight, and it's very light. Most importantly, the pickups are incredible. Any tone is available. Nate. Well, thanks, Nate. I'm so glad that he's happy with that one. Eric, thanks so much for making my favorite guitar. I've owned so many, and I can't figure out why this guitar feels like the one that I've been playing with my whole life, even though I've only had it a month. Thank you, Eli. Right on. You did it again, my friend. Why do your pickups sound so f***ing good? (laughs) David. (laughs) You know, I tell people it's it's like making a cake. You gotta have the right recipe, you gotta have quality ingredients, and you have to, it all comes together in a certain way. And if you do the wrong thing at any certain step, then you end up with a bad cake. Right. It's like making a delicious, very good sounding cake. Go ahead. Recently purchased the Nitro Blonde pinup custom guitar you made. The intonation, resonance, playability, and that amazing tone in all three coil selections is by far the best I have ever played. I plug in and can't stop playing for hours. I will probably sell both of my other guitars and get another pinup. Thanks, Douglas. That's what I like to hear. Douglas, thank you. And you guys are so nice. You can see these lovely creations at pinupcustomguitars.com. That's P-I-N-U-P, like pinup girl, pinupcustomguitars.com. And we're back. Should we uh, kind of split this up? Because th- this first one is long. Yeah, it's a pretty long one. Well, why don't you just start reading, and then when you fall over, I'll, p- I'll pick up where you left off. Thanks. Hello from Idaho Joe, formerly of Philadelphia and now relocated to Denver. Wow. I hope you are both doing well. He's very itinerant. Yes. Uh, I have a contribution to your Guitar Horror Stories episode. These are these stories are public service announcement re- regarding one of the most dangerous places in all of guitardom, a festering swamp filled with goblins and soul suckers. The Guitar Show. show, show, show. <laughs> I like this guy already. Uh, for those unaware, guitar shows are multi-day events where professional guitar sellers and the general public from around the nation converge in massive event centers to wheel and deal used gear. Mm-hmm. I attended several guitar shows in the Philadelphia area and, in my experience, used car salesmen from the 1970s and former Enron executives have more moral fiber than some dealers at these <laughs> shows. This guy should be a writer instead of a guitar guy. Yeah, huh? 
Uh, they will lie, cheat, and swindle you out of your cash and into their hacked-up, mislabeled, downgraded, part-swapped guitars and smile in your face while doing it. I have several stories from these shows, but two fall in the fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me mantra. You know, uh, he's he is right. I mean, there are definitely some sharks there. But my experience has been positive at the guitar shows. All the honest dealers go there, too. Right. So, you know, it's a caveat emptor situation, but mm-hmm. uh, you can get you can get both. He continues, At my first guitar show, I wandered the wonderland in a daze. After an hour or so, my eyes fell upon a gorgeous US, USA G&L legacy. It played wonderfully, but it was impossible to hear well in the noisy environment. I haggled with the seller a bit and ended up trading the guitar I had brought with me, plus a fair bit of cash for the legacy. But once I got it home and started to really look at it, I realized something was wrong. The pit guard was clearly not original and had been crudely modified to accommodate Legacy's trem system. How did I miss that? But the real shocker came when I removed the pit guard and looked underneath. Someone had hacked away chunks of wood with a rock and a dull <laughs> spork to make room for some cheapo electronics. What a heartbreaker. I felt like such a sucker having fallen off the potato truck and into this seller's trap. Shame on him. Fast forward a few years, and there I was at the same annual guitar show. This one, this time, I had several years of a guitar buying, selling, and trading experience under my belt, and I was confident no sleazebags were going to fool me. With my accumulated knowledge... I now spotted tons of shady, mislabeled gear and undisclosed modification. I would confront the sellers about these issues, and they would shrug me off and tell me to get lost if I didn't want to buy their stuff. But they weren't going to get me this time. That is, until my eyes fell upon a very nice Mexican jazz master. That was my first mistake, right, Eric? Yes. Uh, And started chatting with the seller, also named Joe. With an unassuming and understand what an unassuming and understanding guy, man, we had a great chat, and I told him about my bad experience from the past. Oh, he hated those sleazy sellers too. They gave outstanding and honest proprietors like himself a bad name, and since we were such good friends now, he was happy to give me a great deal on that jazzy. I walked away in a daze with the jazz master and empty pockets. Once I got home, I snapped out of my hypnotic state. Something wasn't quite right. I took the Jazzmaster apart, and what do you know? It had the correct Mexican-made neck, but the body was a cheap Asian import with junk parts. Fooled again, and shame on me this time. That one really hurt, because I did feel like I had a connection with a seller. Just a couple of guitar enthusiasts talking shop about our shared passion, but no! I was just another, another mark for his con. Too cocky for my own good. Outmatched. Like many good guitar, good horror stories, things worked out in the end for our hero. Me, of course. Luckily, the Legacy's pickups were original, and I bought the correct replacement pickguard and electronics. Now it's my favorite Strat-style guitar because it sounds and plays amazing, and I'm sure also because of the emotional roller coaster I went through with it. As for the downgraded Jazzmaster, I ended up fully disclosing the modifications and selling it, losing some money, but being rid of the bad mojo. Be careful out there in Guitarland, everyone. Not all dangers lurk in abandoned houses and cabins in the woods. I hope my stories of foolishness will help some of you avoid the mistakes I made. Happy Halloween. 
Idaho Joe. Thanks, Joe. Oh, Joe. Yeah, I've been to so many guitar shows, and uh, yeah, you really have to have an eye. You really have to have a keen eye for, uh, you know, parted out guitars and, and crazy modifications because, uh, yeah, that stuff will affect the price and uh, it's definitely something to watch out for. So you just have to have a keen eye. Yeah. Shall we uh, move along? Yeah, here? let's do another one. Okay. Hi, er- hi, Eric and Melissa. I have a mandolin horror story. A few years ago, a friend of mine decided to buy his kids a mandolin. He went off to one of the big chain music stores. It it wasn't Guitar Center, but instead a similar chain that claims to be superior, in part because of their excellent luthier on site. Anyway, my friend played the new mandolins there, and then the salesman brought out a special deal. A 1922 Gibson A. Jr. mandolin. The mandolin had... Several small cracks in the top, but had one very large crack that went from the bottom of the sound hole all the way aft along the top. However, this mandolin was playable and sounded better than the new mandolins, and he trusted that this store and their renowned luthier would never let a questionable instrument be sold to an unsuspecting customer. After agreeing to a $500 selling price, he was sure he had made a great deal. A few weeks after the 30-day return policy had expired, my friend let me take the mandolin to see if I could adjust it as the highest strings were now resting on the highest frets and would no longer sound. I tried to raise the bridge slightly using the adjustment wheel, but the top just sank further. Then I took the guitar to a well-respected luthier who said that it would need a new top and that this would cost much more than the mandolin was worth, and he wouldn't do the job, even if someone was willing to pay him the money, as this was too cheap of a mandolin to warrant the use of his time. (laughs) Ouch. Yeah. I then took it to another luthier and asked if he could just make it playable again. It didn't need to be restored, just playable. He took a quick peek in the sound hole and said that it was a complete mess. Someone had stuffed pieces of wood, probably cut off popsicle sticks, and had just smeared Gorilla Glue all over the inside. Jeez. Hmm. He said that he'd have to take it apart to fix it, and that it would cost more than just buying another 1922 Gibson mandolin. In addition, he informed me that all the original hardware of any value, such as the bridge, pickguard, tailpiece, and case, had been removed and cheap replacements had been used. Basically, the mandolin was worth next to nothing. I informed my friend of the bad news, and he unhappily accepted this fate and bought a new Gibson mandolin from another music store. Fortunately, there is a happy ending to this horror story. Rather than throw away the mandolin or turn it into a wall decoration, my friend agreed to let my father use his amateur woodworking skills to try to fix the mandolin. My father carefully removed the back of the mandolin and saw the horror of the Gorilla Glue and Popsicle Stick pieces repair. He cleaned up the repair and then used every wood clamp and weight in his shop to force the arched top back together. He then built a new brace and added a thin wood strip to cover the glued major crack. Following Fret File's advice, he only used hot hide glue to close all the cracks. Nice! Good job. The mandolin is all back together now. Unfortunately, we got some bad advice off the internet about cleaning some of the glue that seeped through the cracks onto the top, and due to that advice, some of the original finish was removed. However, we had a professional install a new period-correct bridge and refinish the top. The mandolin now plays, looks, and sounds great. The best part is that after all the time my father 
invested in the repair, my friend said he couldn't accept it back and that I should keep it. My father had so much fun that he is ready to find another total instrument in need of repair. That's from Blake in South Windsor, Connecticut. Cool. We've got a lot of happy endings here tonight. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And that's cool. You know, an old 20s Gibson mandolin is definitely worth fixing up. So Yeah. I'm glad that they uh I'm glad that they got that instrument playing again. Yeah, that's cool. Very, very cool. Hi Eric. Ran into a bit of bad luck here. Well, a lot of bad luck actually. My neighbor decided to try and kill themselves. Jeez. This is a ch- this just let me give you let me give you a backstory here. Okay. This gentleman mm-hmm. who sent in this email did not send this to me for the horror stories episode. Oh no. He has been talking about ordering a guitar from me. And uh then I didn't hear from him for a while. He was getting the down payment together. And then uh then he emailed me this. Oh, to explain no. why he wasn't going to be moving forward with the purchase anytime soon, which I totally understand. But this is then I, I emailed him back and I said, um, this is an unbelievable story. Can I share this with our listeners on the uh, Fret Files podcast? And, you know, he said yes, of course. So uh, so I withheld his name. But this is a true story that just happened a <sighs> few a few weeks ago and uh, an unsolicited email. OK. Yeah. My neighbor decided to try and kill themselves by setting their place on fire, which then caught my place on fire, burning our shared wall, which unfortunately was the side where all my music equipment was. (sighs) Lost amps, vintage keyboards, a Prophet 5 and an original Jupiter 8, and three of my guitars. Unfortunately, also my telly that you built. It's fairly burnt and singed, hoping to salvage it somehow, though. So I won't be able to put my order through for now, for another custom guitar for a while. <coughs> I've got ho- house insurance, but I don't know exactly what and how much they'll cover. So hopefully, when that check comes through, I'll get you to start the build. What a horrible nightmare this has been. Silver lining, though. My dog was smart enough to run and hide in the bathtub, so she only got smoke inhalation problems. But she's alive. Also... My neighbor didn't die either. Well, that's pretty good. She decided not to die and ran out and called the fire department. Luckily. But that doesn't change the fact that she destroyed most of my stuff and almost killed my dog. Anyhow, sorry it's taking this long, but hopefully the insurance check comes in relatively quickly. Jeez. Stay safe out there, people. My goodness. You know... What is going on? If I was going to kill myself... Fire would be the well, very last way I would want to die. That sounds great. Uh, Gee whiz. Okay. Yeah. I'm really, that stinks. Yeah. Everybody pray for that guy, man. And well, what and about her, the neighbor? Yeah. I'm more concerned about the neighbor. Look, <laughs> Sorry. guitars can be replaced, I, but let's not kill ourselves. People. I am being insensitive. Let's, let's, uh, let's, I'm sorry. Let's, let's be, uh, yeah, pray for that lady. That one's going to be hard to top. Eric, here's a true horror story for you. A novice guitar player and repair customer in my shop was having tuning problems on his Squire Strat. His genius idea was to get the guitar 
perfectly in tune and then apply super glue to the tuner shafts. Oh, brilliant. Thereby securing the strings to the tuners and keeping them perfectly in tune forever. Hmm. Why didn't we think of this beautiful trick years ago? Uh, yes, why didn't we? Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out that way, as I'm sure you can guess. The string started to break as soon as he was fine-tuning things, and that is when he brought it to me. Sadly, the superglue had seeped down in the shafts of the tuners and gotten under the ferrules as well, making replacing the tuners quite the task for me. I felt sorry for the guy, but I also had to wonder, what in the hell was he thinking? <laughs> I love the show, Raymond in New Mexico. Well, sometimes you just you just never know. Yeah, don't put super glue on your tuners. <laughs> That's a bad plan. <laughs> that is a bad plan. Yep. Well, that does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. Thank you for the horror stories, and thank you for submitting questions. And thanks for listening. We just, uh, we really appreciate it. It's always fun to do another show, and uh, it's always fun to hear from listeners. So write to us, submit a question or a comment for the show. We'll use it as part of the show. You can do that by going to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click the contact link and submit your question or comment there. The other way to do it is to text or call 757-774-8482. You can text or call that number any time of night or day, 757-774-8482. It just goes directly to voicemail, and I will get it later so you won't be bothering me. But if you need to contact me for a uh, for a business reason, for a repair, or a pickup rewind, or anything like that, go to my website. And my personal number's on there. You can call me, and uh, or you can send me an email there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween.